and welcome to a very special Doctor Who Podcast Alliance spoiler special podcast. Got lots of S's there, lots of yeah. sh- sh- spoiler special. Say that quickly. Spoiler special. I'm James from the Doctor Who Podcast. I'm Adam from Staggering Stories. And we're going to be discussing the very nature of what a spoiler is and mm. whether or not it really does matter whether the BBC publish <laughs> just a little bit more information than some people would really like to hear. But before we get going, let's listen to Stephen Moffat's view on this. Yeah. It's heartbreaking in a way because you try and tell stories. And stories depend on surprise. Stories depend on shocking people. Stories are the moments that you didn't see coming. Those are what live in you and burn in you forever. If you are denied those, it's, it's vandalism. So to have some twit who came to a press launch write up a story in the worst, most ham-fisted English you can imagine and put it on the internet, I just hope that guy never watches my show again because that's a horrific thing to do. It is exactly like that boring man in the pub who waits until you're nearly finished your joke and jumps in with the punchline and gets it slightly wrong. You hate that guy, you should hate those guys too. And can you imagine how much I hate them? This guy was a fan of the show. It's only fans who do this, or they call themselves fans. I wish they could go and be fans of something else. Vigilante of time and space Evil knows you can't defeat me fight and you may shoot me but you can exterminate me regenerate me so adam now i understand that if people follow you on twitter <laughs> they may possibly be aware of your view on spoilers i am something of a spoiler phobe maybe chief spoiler phobe i don't know uh, i did have a bit of an unfortunate, in retrospect, slangy match with uh, Tom Spilsbury of Doctor Who magazine after that fateful cover, I think 433, with one of these four will die. And I was watching the episode, having that foreknowledge of one of the four will die, I was, I was livid. I was absolutely on the edge <laughs> of uh, <laughs> something uh, when I uh, saw what happened. Because I figured it out, who would die. And... It really, literally did spoil my enjoyment. I was so angry that I, <laughs> I, I just hated that episode, and I still have trouble watching it even now. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's good to see that you've managed to let it go just a little bit after <laughs> I had, two months. <laughs> it did take me until about episode three or four to go back and rewatch it, which is unusual. I'm normally watching wow. next day. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So no, I'll be the same. But uh, it's interesting. I, I, I wasn't as intelligent as you in terms of figuring out, <laughs> figuring out who was going to die. And, and let's just be completely explicit for those of you out there listening who are not certain what we're talking about. Mm. There was a cover of Doctor Who magazine yeah. that had a, well, four covers, actually, wasn't it? It, it was a special was. edition. I'm sure mm. we'll talk about that a bit later. But <laughs> in, Indeed, but the headline was, or the strap line, one of these four will die in the opening episode to season six. Now, mm. the question is, was that too much? Was that not too much? And this is something that our fellow podcasters are very vocal about, and you'll get to hear their views over the next coming hour or so. But mm. having listened to Stephen Moffat's rant, and I know it's not necessarily about Doctor Who magazine, we'll return to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, do, do you agree? agree with him? Do you think spoilers Actually, are a bad thing? I, I do agree with him. It, this uh, Stephen Moffat rant came out quite some time after the front cover, I think, and it does amaze me that his views very much echo mine. It, some, you know, quoting from him, stories depend on surprise. 
Stories depend on shocking people, moments you don't see coming. And that, to me, is entirely what the DWM front cover destroyed. We know that Doctor Who magazine did not do this in isolation. They, they did it with a blessing, if not perhaps even a, a bit of encouragement from the production team. And it does seem contradictory, Moffat's view here, to what we've seen happen mm. with the publicity engine that Doctor Who now is. No, I, I agree completely, and I think there is certainly um, a valid accusation uh, to say that the BBC, Doctor Who magazine, the publicity machine want to have their cake and eat it. Yes. Uh, at, what yes. Po- at what point do you start slagging off fans and, and referring to them in a fairly derogatory manner, mm. and at the same time, the official magazine, or what is more or less the official magazine for the yes. programme, tells you a major plot point and it mm. is a plot point it this, is, is. this is not a teaser and again no. this is something that's uh, examined a little bit later on by our panel of, mm-hmm. uh, of, of podcasters yes. Yes. Um, but before we get into that um, let, let's hear what Mr Spilsbury has to say uh, when we interviewed him on the Doctor Who podcast a couple of months ago you know I thought it would be rather a fun idea to turn it into a bit of a mystery because it's not it's not like Adric being killed at the end of Earthshot which is something that happens right at the end of the story this happens in the first five minutes or so I mean, I wasn't going to say this happened in the first five minutes, but by turning it into a game and saying someone's going to die in episode one, who's it going to be? Mm. That, I think, is intriguing. I think that isn't actually a spoiler, whatever some people think. And as I, you know, I I sort of cover myself a little bit in the editorial saying, you know, that I know some people might not want to know this. But of course, because it happened so early on, it's it's the starting point. It's not the end point. But of course, people wouldn't have known that when they saw the covers of the magazine. Do you, do you think that when people were watching it, the impact of the Doctor being killed was lessened or softened had people seen the front of, of, of Doctor Who magazine? So as opposed to going, oh my God, the Doctor's been shot, would they be thinking, ah, that's what Doctor Who magazine was referring I to? I think they would still be surprised. I hope they would, because I, I mean, I was at the press screening where... Our issue had um, just come out at the time of the, the press screen. We put the covers online. So although uh, you know people were aware of the fact that there was this thing that was literally a sort of hot topic at that point, mm, because it mm. was just. But people were surprised there at that press screening. I don't think you're expecting it at that moment. There might be a sort of penny dropping kind of yes thing. Yes, I think so. Um, yeah. You know, I don't. I don't think anyone, unless you sort of had inside knowledge of what was going to happen, would, would sort of have predicted that was the way it was going to happen. I, I challenge anyone to, to have seen those covers and say, well, I've worked out what it is. It's, <laughs> it's five minutes in, the Doctor is going to to get get killed, start to regenerate, and then drop down dead and they're going to burn it. You know, I don't think... I think that still is a, a big surprise. No, and I would um, agree. I, I still think when you're watching that episode, yeah, you, you are taken aback when you when that scene hits. I do think you possibly look at it slightly different if you've read the article and indeed seen the pictures on the BBC website. Yeah, too. but I mean, it, it's... Uh, if you're lucky enough to sort of... I mean, if you're lucky enough to come across a programme which you literally know nothing about on television and you might find that occasionally by channel hopping and you're just drawn in by... That's, that's great and it's, it stands on its own but generally speaking especially on a program like Doctor Who it, you, you don't know literally nothing you know if you see a trailer these in theory anyway are put together with a certain amount of thought by the creators of the program they yes. want you to know these things they want you to see these things you know I, I didn't do this these covers for the magazine without any kind of thought you know this was done very much with a conversation with Stephen saying you know how do we actually stop 
people from... <laughs> this is the irony. We, yes. How do we actually stop people from revealing what happens? Well, if we turn it into a, um, a bit of a, a tease and a game like that, then mm-hmm. it actually will stop the newspapers and press one of wanting to, to reveal it because actually it's far more fun to make it a bit of a, uh, a guessing game. Sure. And people have their theories and so on. I, I think people go ridiculously far with sort of with the idea of spoilers because, of course, if someone tells you exactly everything that happens in an episode before you've seen it, you know, you're going to be annoyed with them. You know, why do you tell me that, you idiot? However, if the creators of the programme want you to know certain pieces of information before you see it, that's part of the process of, of them showing you their, yeah. their, their yeah. piece of work. So... You know, I, I, I completely reject the idea that it's um, that it was faultless in any way. So, I mean, do you think that's a valid defence, Adam? That if they didn't spoil it, someone else would, effectively? Yeah, basically. <laughs> I, I don't. It's an intelligent, reasoned argument, but I just don't buy the basic premise, I have to say. Um, it seems to me what he's saying is he, they had to preempt the press, but the press isn't the problem. The press... Yes, they, they're, they're happy to put in spoilers and speculations based on background knowledge while filming is taking place, but they never put in spoilers, as far as I'm aware, not major spoilers anyway, after having seen a screening. Because the effect of them doing that is them being barred from the screening in the future. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the press are not the problem. Uh, so who is Tom Spilsbury, DWM and co. protecting us against? It's it's interesting. Uh, I I think it gets to the point where when you're a part of the BBC viewing a very, very successful show that is is now telling an arc story, there's very little that you can give away um, and still maintain a marketing campaign. Now, my Mm. view would be almost that Doctor Who doesn't really require huge amounts of marketing these days. There's there's no reason why you couldn't have screenshots of the characters in various episodes, for Mm -hmm. example, Mm -hmm. um, littered on the internet, on billboards, or whatever it is that they decide to do. But why why is it actually necessary, apart from perhaps some kind of perverse desire (laughs) uh, to, to break an exclusive... Um, uh, why, why would you actually tell them something that's going to alter the viewing experience mm. uh, of, of a fan? And I think, and, and we mentioned this in the interview when we spoke to Tom, when you're watching yeah. that episode and you know someone's going to die, your reaction is different. It is, completely. Uh, mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, as many people are going to, you're going to hear say in their, their, uh, their segments, it changes it from a what the moment to a oh, it's him. Uh, <laughs> Which is massively unfortunate. Tom there says uh, he would never consider giving away the ending that Amy's shooting the astronaut. Mm. Spoilers, by the way. Uh, but to, to me, that is a massively smaller moment than death of the Doctor. So he chose not to give that away, but give away the death of the mm. Doctor. <laughs> no, it's an interesting poem. I do wonder how they actually made this decision. What was the basis uh, of the reasoning? And I... I think, in all fairness, there probably wasn't a great deal. I think it really was as straightforward as, as Tom has said. It's a case of, hey, this could be a bit of fun. Somebody else will probably spoil it. I'll sell a few extra magazines. Let's do it. I, th- I think that latter point of yours there, <laughs> being cynical, the, the sales of the magazine, obviously a crucial it, Doctor Who magazine, is a business. 
and it's not a part of BBC as such. It, it buys the license off the BBC. They need to make money. And their their figures have dropped considerably in the past year since season five started. They're down somewhere like 13% of where they were when season five started. Wow, okay. Clearly, people at Panini will be looking at these figures and thinking, each quarter you should be up, not down, not down by 15% nearly. The cynical part of me can't help but think that the four different covers is for no other reason than to get more sales. Simple as that. I'm not sure whether that's a cynical view. I think that's probably quite an astute commercial view. I mean, I can see their point of view, and yeah. I've got no objection to them doing different covers. But the way they tried to do it by, by this mystery, this, this spoiler, mm. I think it is taking it too far. In the past, they've done multiple covers, different doctors and what have you. And that's fine. If fans want to go out and buy them, why not? But if you're starting to, to make spoilers part of that process to get people to buy the magazine multiple times, that, I think, is really going mm. beyond something I'd like to see. Have you ever had reason to question DWM's decisions in the past where it comes to previewing episodes or seasons? Not really. To be entirely frank, I didn't start subscribing to DWM until the beginning of season five, uh, which is when their, their figures went up by about 18%. Mm. There was a big spike in their sales at the beginning of season five. And mainly because I, I just loved season five, and I didn't renew, clearly, when my renewal was up at the beginning of season six. So as a direct result of DWM's decision with Cover 433, mm. you've decided not to renew your subscription. Absolutely. And mm. I wonder how many other people did the same. I don't know. I, I have been urging people to do the same <laughs> because I think we do need to make a stand. We do need to, to, to make a point that mm. this is not acceptable. Strong stuff there yeah. from Mr. Purcell. Um, well, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this particular podcast. Let's hear what our fellow podcasters have to say. And who have we got up first? We have the Flashing Blade. The Flashing Tony, who? Joe and Bob. Flashing Blade. Hi, um, it's Tony from the Flashing Blade. I'm here with uh, Joe and Bob. Say hello. 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 Now, um, we've been asked to uh, discuss our reactions to spoilers. Uh, the big spoiler on DWM, I presume, with, uh, you know, one of these four people will die. And the release of photographs on the websites before the show's been aired. And Doctor Who Magazine, Doctor Adventures being sent out to subscribers early. All that sort of stuff. And various reactions to it. Some people getting very angry about it indeed. Other people not giving batting an eyelid. So let's find out. Joe, what do you think? Um, I wouldn't threaten somebody to, you know, they must die if they spilled any sort of spoilers on any program that I really liked. I think I would, because, yeah, that's just mad. Mm. Um, but I do think it, it does, you know, the clue is in the title. It does spoil it. Um, and it's just unfortunate this day and age where, you know, nothing online, um, well, information anywhere is, there's no where really, unless you don't look at the internet, unless you say to yourself, right, I'm not going to look in the places, I'm not going to go on the forums, I'm not going to go to places where people will frequent and start saying stuff, I will just not look for the duration of the series, which is unfortunate because you want to at least chat and have a bit of banter with like-minded souls about the programme that you like. So it's just unfortunate. I know with Life on Mars and Ashes to Ashes, for example, I purposely didn't look 
in you know i purposely stayed away from the railway arms um not that i was i belonged to it but i used to sort of look in there occasionally and i per- purposely said right i'm not looking um and yeah it's we're just it's the modern age unfortunately you know you look at the the brouhaha with the current thing in the uk with regards to privacy and Mm -hmm. the legal system and celebrities injunctions and stuff like that that just is sort of tip of the iceberg and and uh it's sad that some people feel this desperate need to ruin the party for others and that's how i see it It, it's as if you come into a party and going you know what i'm gonna take all your cake and replace it with muesli it's sort of it's not the done thing it's not cricket and and stop it so i mean it would be great to say please don't do it but it's the internet and it's sort of if you say to people don't do it well where do you stop okay um so it's a difficult one but it does spoil it yeah it's a shame i think we live in a world where spoilers are inevitable it depends on the level of the spoiler i mean for example you know oh doctor who's filming in america this uh-huh. year yeah that's sort of a spoiler but it doesn't tell you too much one of these four are going to die is a spoiler. I'd say that's too much. In my mind, it just it turned something that should have been a what-the-hell moment into a oh-that's-who's-going-to-die moment. The comparison that's just sprung to mind is if you've watched The Simpsons and um, there's always a flashback to some you know, reference of something and Homer is in the queue of, um, I think it's, oh, is it Return of the Jedi? Um, and no, Empire Strikes Back, Mm -hmm. the second one anyway. I do love them, but I always get the second and third mixed up. Anyway, and they will always be the second and third. Um, (laughs) uh, Sorry, I'm a 70s child. And um, there's that classic bit in The Simpsons when Homer's in the queue and he gives away the big monumental cliffhanger plot thing of, of, um, you know, yes, that one. Father! That's <laughs> so my Matt Berry impression. Father! Oh, come on, Tony. Come on, Tony. If they haven't, if they don't know it by now. Yeah, but now. it could be youngsters who haven't seen the film. But anyway, the point yes, exactly, being. Exactly, Joe. Well the done. The point being is, Father! And um, in, in The Simpsons, uh, Homer's walking along the, this supposed queue of people who, and he's just seen the film and he gives the game away. And everyone in the queue is going, Oh, God! Oh, man! And. It's that sort of thing. If somebody was to give the game away, you imagine if they had Star Wars and the internet back then, the fun would have been sucked dry of it. The thrill of going, yeah. oh, you know what? I'm only going to get to understand what's happening in the story when I set foot in that cinema and pay my ticket. Mm. And right. that's the only place I'll get to see right. it. Right, we've got to wrap this up. I, you know, I think it also depends on where you, where, where you find these spoilers. I mean, for example, there are some places which, uh, you know, forums and such like that can go, this is a spoiler, you know, it's a spoiler section, and in the post it'll sort of like, are you sure you want to have this spoiled for you? Are you sure? And then it will have the spoiler. That I can understand if you actively go out looking for it. However, what DWM did is they put, DWM and the BBC did, was they did something, and they put it on somewhere where majority of people who watch Doctor Who go for information and stuff like that, but don't necessarily want spoilers. Myself, I'm a bit on the fence about this. I can understand the need for publicity. I think that particular thing was a step too far. 
However, I try to think, well, what would you have replaced it with to really get people talking, you know? Um, ah, it's Richard Nixon, everybody. Um, I don't know. Who is the astronaut? So I don't know. It's a case of, yeah, it was I, a step too far, but at the same time, what would you have done to I gender think, the I interest? Think a, photo, a photograph of Matt Smith and the astronaut looking at each other in the face would have been enigmatic and mysterious enough. Okay, there we go. That answers that then. So, uh, yes, um, I think Moffat raging about uh, somebody who leaked the details of the first two episodes rather badly online. Uh, well, I'm sorry, Moffat, but you were asking for trouble there by inviting fans. Of course, someone was going to do that. The press, my God, you've been incredibly lucky with the press this year, not giving stuff away. Yeah, it was I'm probably arguing against myself here, but by inviting fans at front and centre like that, someone's going to leak stuff because fandom information is power. I know you've never leaked anything to me, but by saying things like, oh, next week's episode's going to be a corker, it's building up expectation. And it's like, no. If yeah, but I, that's not I a spoiler. A, no, I didn't say it was, but it's kind of like already, I'm kind of going, no, it's building up expectation. Let me just, don't tell me before I've seen it, you, you know, it's going to be a corker. Just watch the episode 6.30 with everybody else. You know, I just want, I just want to see it and that's it, you know. Okay. Mm -hmm. And on that note of criticism, we're going to go away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to cry now. Yeah, right. <laughs> Say goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Oh, I'm the bad guy again. Okay. Nice points there and generally uh, against the uh, the spoiler in question and spoilers in general. And it, it is a wider question than just DWM, of course. As I say, it does ruin the party for people you go out onto the internet and you have to avoid all manner of places because you can't be sure there are not spoilers there i don't know how you avoid that clearly it's less of a problem for people in the uk as will come up in in later feedback because we generally see the the episodes together it's when you have insider information which leaks out mm. which is the tricky bit I, I think the point that Tony made about information equals power, at least in fandom circles anyway, is, is very valid. Yes. And I, I think yes. that's, that's really the case. Uh, certainly the people who are involved in the show, some of those involved in fandom, you can call them professional fans or people yeah. who have got jobs with, you know, like Tom mm -hmm. um, uh, within Doctor Who magazine. Yeah, yeah. Because nobody really draws up the lines of responsibility mm. then is it is it a case that they can't really win do you think <laughs> perhaps uh, fandom for a very long time back in the 80s and before probably was all very much about the in crowd mm. and it seems that nowadays the way to get to be the in crowd is to have friends in Cardiff and what have you and to have spoilers mm. and to know what's going on with upcoming plots and the way you prove that is by giving out spoilers. You're in the know. You're part of the uh, the elite. Yeah, yeah. It is dangerous, and I'm glad to see that Stephen Moffat, in a way, trying to tell people that isn't the way to go by publicly saying spoilers are bad. But I don't know. I mean, 
I think sometimes when you look at the responsibilities that we have as podcasters, yeah. because the vast majority of us do get preview copies or advance information. That's true. I think generally speaking, we are responsible, but you do get a number yep. of podcasters, as, as Joe mentioned in her piece of feedback, mm-hmm. uh, she was she was accusing Tony, poor Tony, she'd leave <laughs> yeah. Tony alone. <laughs> you know, Tony, Tony's picked on far too much in oh, podcasting yeah. communities. Oh, yeah. uh, but uh, <laughs> but it, it's basically a case of saying people, I've got preview discs and I've seen them, but I'm not going to tell you because I'm responsible. I don't tell you what spoilers are. And I've seen know, that personally on Twitter quite a bit, where people say, oh, just you wait until episode nine. I'm not saying anything. Mm. I, now, yeah. what do you think of that kind of approach? I think that's quite close to home for me, actually. It, it, <laughs> I have on occasion had previews, and it is incredibly difficult to not tell people you've got previews, which you shouldn't really tell people you've even got them, let alone saying, oh, this is a good one, or even yes. dropping hints. <laughs> it, it is... It is so difficult. You want to talk to people about it. So more than to, to prove that you're part of the in crowd, you want to have a discussion with people about it. But of course, you can't. On a small level, even that is about grabbing status where it's possible. Yeah. No, yeah, I yeah. mean, it's it, it's hard to say. Um, and, and because I'm instigating this discussion, I'm not going to say whether we get preview discs or not. But uh, <laughs> listen to a podcast, and you may have a rough idea. But I I, I do think that is something that fandom. Is very very good at, and I think even years ago, before the internet and so mm. on, people who had something published in a even a fanzine mm. suddenly felt, well, hey, I've got a bit of recognition, <laughs> and perhaps that's a human characteristic or yes. a human trait, as opposed yes. to completely abusing what responsibility you do have. But uh, mm. I also thoroughly enjoyed the comparison with Star Wars. I have to say, yeah, this is one which has come up before, and it's a really good one from Joe. I don't quite equate it. Um, just because, in the case of Empire Strikes Back... Yeah. Is that uh, the second one? Yeah, was it the first one? <laughs> yeah, well, definitely the second one, Joe. Hmm. Uh, the big reveal at the end doesn't, strictly speaking, have any bearing on the plot for that second film. You could, If that didn't happen, it wouldn't have changed the plot up to that point. Vader is still after them, no matter who they are. They're but still it the does... It does... Paint a couple of the conversations between Luke and Obi Wan in a slightly different context. It does. Had you known that? It, it definitely comes into more into play in the third film. But if you were going into Empire Strikes Back and had that spoiler like in The Simpsons, it wouldn't actually, I think, have spoiled you too much. You wouldn't have had much bearing. No, but... I think you're probably right. I think it might have created the impression that you have been spoiled when actually mm. you haven't. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, back in the 80s, the good old days when, you know, <laughs> there weren't any such things as spoilers, apparently. But uh, I, I don't quite believe that either. Yes, and, and of course, any reference to cake uh, when discussing Doctor Who is also welcome, as far as I'm concerned. So well done, <laughs> Joe, for that too. Anyway, let's move on. Who's next? So, staggering Stories. Staggering Stories, who are they? Oh, that would be, uh, well, me. I used to be old, but now I feel young Cause I was a boy when I learned how to run I could never be settled in one time or place This is a DWPA special announcement. On behalf of... Staggering Stories. I'm Fake Keith. 
I'm Crumbly. I'm Rookies. I'm Jean. I'm Adam. Oh, oh he's very, very, very angry. Adam would like to talk to you all about spoilers, spoilers. and why they're not necessarily Ex- a good thing. I, I would just like to point out that Adam's response here may not be our own views, but he hasn't let us get aware of it in edgeways. This is no, the point. Maybe a group thing. Doctor Who spoilers. What is your view upon what, this, Elfresident? T- tell us what you think. Tell us what you think. Yeah. I'm probably quite famous. Famously, a spoiler <laughs> uh, Don't mention DWM. I mentioned yes. it once, but I think I got away, away with it. <laughs> Did all begin with that DWM front cover, <laughs> which was frankly a disgrace. Uh, <laughs> it was quite disgusted. <laughs> we've only got five minutes. Know, we've got, come on, time. Yeah, anyway, time. Yes. According to DWM themselves, that was not a spoiler because it wasn't actually telling what happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you mean someone's going to die? Someone. Guys, but they didn't actually tell us what happened. Mm. Oh. Chinny Rackon. <laughs> Got no problem with teasers. Teasers. Yes. Although I don't watch the actual coming next time. There is a marked difference between teasers and spoilers. spoilers. Definitely. And your view of where that line lies will be different, I'm sure. Mm. I'm probably quite extreme. <laughs> really? What, really? With, yeah. with, with track boots and whips? And... <laughs> what is that? No, yeah, we're not uh, talking about the guy who runs Formula oh, 1 sorry. racing. <laughs> Injunction. <laughs> But I'm fine if it's the usual Radio Times front cover, which shows you the monster. Yeah. yeah. That's not telling anything about the story, particularly. No. Now, you might argue that the human Dalek did tell you the story. Yes. That wasn't a yeah. particularly egregious one. But generally, if you've got a Dalek on the front cover or a Sideman or something, it might give away the new design. But that's about but it. But beyond mm. that, it doesn't tell it you It doesn't tell anything the about the story. Or something and and like. usually they call something like Revenge of the Daleks mm. or something. So you figured out that there might be well, a Dalek you suck in it there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But when you're actually giving away the plot, yeah. Yeah. that's a whole different ball that game That goes beyond yeah. the pole, that does, yeah. I kind of have missed out on the whole Twitter war and all the rest of it. Um, <laughs> I'm used to seeing trailers, I'm used to seeing spoilers and all the rest of it, but I didn't really like the fact it gave the game away too much. But what narked me slightly was our illustrious, vast Toffee MN yeah. having his rants yeah. about fans giving away the plots for my stories, etc., and then wanting to destroy... <laughs> Destroy fandom. Well, no disrespect, vast toffee MN. Why show the stories to an audience before they're all aired? This is the age of Twitter. This is the age of internet. They use it as much as anyone else. The BBC use that whole media circus to promote the Mm -hmm. stories. You cannot control it, as certain footballers have found out (laughs) recently. (laughs) Caught injunctions that have meant absolutely nothing. If you're going to use it, it will be used by the fans themselves. Mm -hmm. But then don't get upset when people don't stand and go I swear by all that is great and yeah. good in the and universe that I will high and mighty you know. when fans decide to do what you've been doing all along yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I wouldn't have a clue what site it was this bloke was on no. that gave away the plot and that you have to have to search out that I did yeah. not know where that was I could have found it but it wasn't bashed over your head like the front cover of the yeah. Yeah. it wasn't yeah. on mm. like the website it did photos mm. of regeneration mm. before oh, it did on the actual BBC website it does strike me as crocodile tears yeah. on Smoffit's uh, path. Because yeah. I'm, I'm not as anti-spoilers and t- uh, well, teasers as you like are. bolting the barn door but, the but, yeah, bolted. But mm. we do have certainly this impossible astronaut one with the A character will die. Yeah. It changed a what the flag not moment into oh, oh it's yeah. him! Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I've said before, Doctor Who fans are learning what soap fans have been having to put up with for years. Yeah, Yeah. but then the difference is that the director of the soaps doesn't then get up on his high horse. No, exactly. 
about and it whinge about, it. Whinge about <laughs> it. You know, and I think it kind of like I sat there getting. A, I won't say annoyed, but I could have done. Yeah. <laughs> down, boy, down. down. I could have well, done annoyed. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I did really think it did spoil that moment of oh, because okay, we had the regeneration bit at the end with the little girl. Mm. Okay, mm. but we could have had a oh yeah. at the beginning. I mean, and it could it have had people sitting that. bolt upright in their seats. Yeah, yeah. Like going, we did with yeah. the regeneration of the little girl. I know yeah. you didn't, but yeah. you know. But, but no, then, but then I have the choice with websites to go into them or out of them and there is that whole thing mm. of giving away so much that it does spoil it well, I mean, that it isn't a teaser that it isn't making you want the to the thing watch is it. means of as I say I mean there is a marked difference between a teaser and a spoiler a teaser whets your appetite for, mm. the, yeah, for the forthcoming episode a spoiler dampens it yeah and yes. that did this room's to let, I only advertise this morning But here you are with three months' rent and references that shine beyond belief Take me to my room, you said No time to lose, you said And now you're making omelettes and you ask me Who's that girl on the fridge? And I'm telling my life story But I guess she's too good for me She's not my girlfriend She's just the friend who's a girl Okay, yeah, so once again, you're sitting on the fence, Mr. Passar. Um, <laughs> I have to say, I thoroughly enjoyed this because I think listening to it the very first time, we were saying, oh, you won't be able to keep Adam quiet. And for the first 45 <laughs> seconds, they talk about how they're not going to be able to keep you quiet and you can't get a word in edgeways. Always <laughs> away. Brilliant stuff. Um, I, I like the very, very clear definition there between teasers and spoilers. Mm. Um, and it's something that I think uh, the guys at the Oxford English Dictionary need to, <laughs> need to look at for our benefit. But certainly I think teasers are there to a particular purpose and spoilers are mm. not. Yeah, yeah. As, as we say, that the line might be quite fine where you, where you draw that line between teasers and spoilers, but... One person's teaser, teaser is another person's spoiler, and mm. that's really tricky. Is it? You can't turn around and say that is definitely a spoiler, because I know people. There's a guy I work with who wants to know everything before he sees it. And I, I can't stand him, but um, <laughs> I must admit I have. I've been really lucky. I got into the BFI preview of Let's Kill Hitler, and I've told him everything even though, obviously, I should really keep quiet, but I know he won't tell anybody. How did that feel? <laughs> it was quite good to do something about it. <laughs> but for me, that's completely alien. Yeah. When you come back to see something a second time, you know. You can, have, you can appreciate yeah. it in a different way. But that first time is sacrosanct to me. You experience it once, only once. You know, the, that first time is only happens once. Um, after that, you can watch it as many times as you want. You know... But if you go in knowing, that robs you of that first experience. I, I agree completely. And it's interesting, certainly in the context, and I can't remember which of your colleagues said it, but the super injunctions, which I think mm. when you recorded that piece was, was quite prevalent in the it news. It was, and yeah, it was a while ago now. Yeah, well, indeed, we come back to it later on as well, I think. Yeah. Uh, but why do you think the BBC do previews at the BFI now? I think they've done three Doctor Whos and possibly one Sarah, Sarah Jane. Done Sarah Jane. And now Tortured also. Yeah, yeah. Mainly it is for the press, I think. There aren't enough press to fill out the BFI. What happens is the press come along, they get to view it probably for the second time, because I think there's an earlier-in-the-day press screening. 
And then there's a big party afterwards, which is where they get to interview the stars. And that's the real reason. It gets suppressed together. So the, the surprise, really, is that they invite fans. This is my point. Uh, yeah. Particularly after what happened in New York with the, uh, the, the massive spoiling of the, the opening two-parter. Now, at the BFI, the, the Q&A Q &A at the end, Stephen Moffat practically begged people not to give away anything. Mm. In fact, going so far as to actually ask us to lie about a particular plot point. And he was begging the audience in general, not just the press, but obviously the fans as well. And as far as I can tell is actually held, which mm. is really gratifying. Interesting. I, I, I wonder whether or not it's actually worth it, because you, you hear his passion, you heard his passion at the top of the show, mm. Mm. and yet it was a fan, as you say, who leaked the plotline for the first two episodes yeah. of season six. Not now, a member of the press. No, not, not, <laughs> not at all. And you think, well, why do they do it? Because they could have a, a press launch without any fans. And, yeah. and for me, I'm going to go back and use one of your words earlier, and it's cynical. I mm. think it's a cynical way of getting fans to act as a kind of arm of BBC marketing department. <laughs> and I think certainly with the creation of the role of brand manager, which Ed Russell currently holds, mm. I think this is a strategy that they've decided to employ, and I think it works. And I think it's a way of cutting costs at the BBC. And I yeah. think, whilst that may be incredibly attractive, given how little money there is yeah. floating around at the moment, there is a cost to that. And the cost mm -hmm. is what that fan did. One person. Mm. It's all it takes. Who can't write, incidentally, because it was extremely badly <laughs> was written. It, I, never, clearly, I, never I, did, I looked at it afterwards. <laughs> okay. I looked at it afterwards. It was, it was extremely badly written. And I think mm. this is a cost that you've got. And I did wonder whether or not... Money would rule over Stephen Moffat's rants, and, and, yeah. and clearly, my what I've taken away from this is that I believe Stephen Moffat probably isn't in favour of these screenings. Yeah, you could well be right. I, I was surprised when they did one at the BFI for Let's Go Hitler. I was sure that after what happened in New York, they'd call an end to it. Mm. Uh, the press generally get access to these things a week or two ahead uh, via either DVD or whatever. There's no need for them to, to gather. Obviously, when you're launching a series, you, you want to get them there together to bit of a bit of excitement, so they mm, give it some mm. column inches, and to get them to be able to talk to the stars. They could do it over the phone, but it wouldn't be quite as interesting for the press. And, and at the end of the day, I think there is a, a big problem where Doctor Who is, what, six years old now, new Doctor Who? They have got to be desperately worried in the production office that... Doctor Who is fading from the interest of the public. So one of the reasons, I think, why the spoilers are apparently getting so more extreme than they ever were, certainly back in the beginning in RTD's day, you would never had spoilers like this. Uh, I think they're trying to drum up more interest, trying to keep the interest level going. Yeah. And it's very difficult for them. They have to juggle this. They have to not put people off by putting too many spoilers out there, but they want to get people interested in watching it still so I, what we're saying then is a mixture of paranoia and Stephen Moffat being accused of hypocrisy <laughs> which, which, which I don't think is justified no maybe and, not I mean I, I, I understand he's under pressure from his, his own bosses clearly. oh absolutely but uh, yeah it does kind of you know, it, when you put it under uh, the magnifying glass and you do look at it, there isn't much logic to, to their actions and there, <laughs> there, there isn't a great deal of sense. I mean, I know hindsight is fantastic and right. as fans, we're only partially informed and a lot of what we're talking about now is guesswork. Mm. But it does seem 
it's just a different way to do the same thing because Doctor Who's longevity uh, mm. is testament to its 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 successful format. Mm. Uh, apart from when you get people from within taking it down as they did within you know in 1989, um, that's <laughs> yeah. simply well okay maybe that's a slightly one-sided view but it's um it's not going to happen in this day and age and you'd have thought logic and viewing figures would have won out over over possible paranoia but Mm. anyway let's let's continue who's up next you'd be luke with tamudwap Uh you pronounce that perfectly Quiet night in, but we won't even know you're here. No phones, no interruptions. Maybe now's my chance to tell her how I feel. But now you're here and I can't think. So why not stay and have a drink? I don't mind if you don't mind. Do you want to stay? I don't mind. Great. And now she's going to live with monkeys, see the world and disappear. Am I what's keeping her here? So, spoilers. Yes. Well, it's been a while since... Uh, I think what was dubbed Spoilergate. Hopefully, tempers have had a chance to to calm down and uh, a clear perspective on on things. Um, let me first um, define what I would mean by a spoiler, because um, most discussions I've seen uh, have basically revolved around the semantics of the word. For me, a spoiler would be anything that spoils my enjoyment first time round of anything um so all this jazz about oh if it's the people that made it that that released the spoiler it's not a spoiler it's a teaser i I don't buy that obviously if you've made something then it's your prerogative to 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 release whatever information that you want about it and fair enough to some extent and i think actually um with doctor who um the bbc have largely done a reasonable job um i just think that the uh one of them will die um, was a misstep by Moffat, by Doctor Who magazine, by whoever it was that really decided to do that. Now, if Tom Spilsbury's comment to me on Twitter was correct, that if they hadn't done that, then uh, other people may have spilled the beans and been more specific, then fair enough. I don't quite buy that myself. I think if they wanted to keep a lid on it, they could have. And, and I, for one, um, had my enjoyment of that first episode spoiled because it was quite clear, I think, who was going to die and particularly as those first minutes unfolded that was clearly Matt Smith playing a man preparing for his own death and so by the time he stood up and went down to the beach it was quite, yeah, quite clear what was going to happen. Now obviously that was mitigated by the the, the direction, um, the the shock of the moment um, and the fact that it happened quite early on in the episode but it was, I think, a misstep to let us fans know. Um, and I think that's always going to be the case. Um, whatever information the production team decides to release, somebody is going to be annoyed. Um, some people are going to want to go into it knowing nothing. And I subsequently read all the previews um, ahead of time, with the exception of Good Man Goes to War, I think, and found that Doctor Who magazine uh, didn't spoil me at all. I mean, it, it didn't really, it didn't spoil my enjoyment one bit to know that. Matthew Graham had written an episode set in a monastery, for example. So I think, on the whole, they they find that line and they tread it very carefully, and and most of us are happy. I think this time they just got it wrong, um, and I think sadly that's always going to be the case. And I think um, to some extent they are actually um, prisoners of the 
culture that we have created for ourselves, really. Or I mean, I don't know ultimately who's responsible. Obviously, soap magazines probably have something to do with it in the fact that if you're a soap fan, you know weeks in advance what's going to happen. And for me, I'm like, well, I, why would I watch? Um, but I understand for some soap fans, it's a case of, well, you know what's going to happen, but it's how that plays out which drags them in. Um, for something like Doctor Who, that just doesn't work. At the end of the day, there's a fine line to be trodden, and we live in a world where spoilers are so easy to come by. And it seems that, sadly, um, in order to maybe avoid bigger ones, smaller bones have to be thrown to the ravening press. I wish it wasn't like that, but it is. Well, that's my two penneth worth, and I'll hand you back to James and Adam. So Luke's first assertion there is that spoilers are spoilers no matter where they come from. And that is definitely a view I subscribe to, uh, but again, we're back to what is a spoiler. Yes. <laughs> uh, but as he puts, anything that spoils his enjoyment is by definition a spoiler. But as we've mentioned before, spoiling one person's enjoyment may actually give somebody else enjoyment. It is very difficult. Mm. Um, I, and I think that's a really, really valid point. And it's one that's never going to get sorted no. because fundamentally the definition of a spoiler is subjective. It is. Um, I like the way Luke puts it, I have to say. Anything mm. that spoils his enjoyment for him is a spoiler. Yeah. And therefore, when you do get fairly robust arguments from those who are guilty, in quotes, I'm doing the rabbit ears, <laughs> uh, of, of these offences, yeah. what right do they have to say what's a spoiler and what's not? Surely mm. it's the viewer's decision what knowledge they go into the programme with. And to basically just invade mm. fans' yeah. decision in the way DWM did, yeah. uh, Luke describes as a misstep. And I, I, I yeah. think very eloquently, I have to say, as well. And, and I do think he's right. I think I agree with Luke's virtually all of his comments here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the SFX magazine, I don't know if they still do it, but one time they had a spoiler section, which, particularly for American programmes, which we haven't had over here yet in the UK. And... If you wanted to avoid spoilers for upcoming American shows, you just don't go into that section. Oh, but how tempting is that? <laughs> you just skip pages 10 to 15. Yeah. God. Well, it, it's <laughs> kind of sealed off. You have to up. <laughs> Perforated pages. It is, yeah, pretty yes. much. Yeah. Um, which I think is a very nice solution, but it doesn't sell magazines. No. A front cover, a bold front cover, particularly four of them, will sell magazines and also drum up more interest. I mean, we come back to the same point, really. At, at, what, at what point uh, do DWM step over the line and who defines those lines? Mm. And fundamentally, it's fandom. Very different opinions. Mm-hmm. Uh, therefore, comes back to one of Luke's points, is that can anyone really win? And Yeah, probably not. Probably not, I agree. <laughs> but it's fun talking about it anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, he, <laughs> he mentions that there may be some element of, of throwing smaller bits, smaller bones to these people, mm. the press particularly, so that they keep the bigger elements of the story out of the, the press. So they give them little bit, little morsels to, to chew on while the bigger stuff is left to be revealed in the programme. Mm. And that's a great theory. <laughs> it is, but it's harder when you tell Doctor Who the way Moffat has been doing this mm. last seven episodes, at least. Yeah, yeah. Because there aren't any big things that you can put in there apart from, oh, this character's returning, which, of course, is is something that's happened since <laughs> the screening of Let's Kill Hitler that we'll talk about at the end. But uh, yeah. aside from that, I think, I mean, what have the press got to play with? Very little. Not much. Not much. Very little. Mm. Let's move on to another podcast, one that I hadn't listened to until I'd received their confirmation. Oh, yeah. So 
Thank you very much indeed, Caleb, Peter, Olivia and Swithin, for adding to my back catalogue of podcasts <laughs> to catch up on. Uh, but certainly this was, uh, it was a really good take and uh, I, I, I enjoyed listening to this, this segment. It's not the way she looks at you Like you're the first man in her life Cause I know Amy's true And when we're through she'll be my wife save the universe and she paints you in perfect lights and though I may be just a nurse the doctor isn't always right you've got no idea just how dangerous you make people to themselves cause I wanna be this is the Impossible Podcast. I'm Caleb Woodbridge. I'm Peter Bell. I'm Susan Dobson. And I'm Olivia Cottrell. We're very excited to be taking part in this Doctor Who Podcast Alliance collaborative discussion thing. There's been a lot of talk about the whole issue of spoilers with Stephen Moffat's complaints about spoilers, about what the difference between publicity and a spoiler with sometimes the Doctor Who magazine cover, for example, saying one of these characters will die. What do you think? I, I stick more or less to the rule that if the BBC announces it officially, it's publicity and not a spoiler. Having said that, uh, certain uh, pieces of publicity like the cover of the Radio Times from a couple of years ago for Daleks in Manhattan that showed the mutant Dalek sec. Didn't realise it was a spoiler until I saw the episode and that's going to be the cliffhanger. Um, so there are certain bits of publicity that I think do just go that little bit too far. The more interested I am in the series, the more spoiler-phobic I become. So as of late, I've been mm. trying to steer very clear of things. Uh, so again, I was very disappointed when I went to the BBC Doctor Who official website and was greeted with the banner headline, Cybermen and Silurians return next week. Well, thanks for that, BBC. That's great. But having seen this week's episode, I, I assumed they would turn up in the much-talked-about cliffhanger uh, which they didn't, so I, I thought at the time that was a spoiler, but I would say now that it's more publicity, because it, it has actually whet my appetite, I just want to see how they fit into the narrative. Mm. I, I generally avoid all spoilers like the Blade, I fail to see why anyone wants to know anything about such like that when you're watching an episode. Now, having said that, on the publicity front, it's particularly difficult to publicise this ongoing series, especially with an arc. Yeah. Because, to my mind, if you do publicity, you, do it like you should do a trailer, which essentially set up the episode or a film and to give ideas of what's going to come without giving too much plot detail away. Now, the problem with that is, obviously, with an arc story, is that, well, there's obviously plot points which are going to set up the next episode, which are going to be resolved in the previous one. So, how can you do that? Well, I suppose you could just not do it until after the previous episode is aired. But on a marketing angle, that doesn't give you that much time to whip up particular impact. So I think it's an occupational hazard yeah. with with that kind of thing. Uh, it's interesting that Stephen Moffat is complaining about spoilers, but his style of writing with the story arc is one that invites much more curiosity oh, about what's going to happen and about spoilers. So it's sort of, uh, on the one hand, encouraging spoiler culture by having more of the arcs, while on the other hand, then trying to rail against it. And there's perhaps a bit of a tension. Um, I'll be honest, anything that displeases Stephen Moffat pleases me greatly. <laughs> uh, so, spoil away. No, um, I, I tend to go with the attitude that if, if the BBC releases it, 
it's not spoilers, it's publicity. I'm just going to read whatever they they release. I'm desperate for information, uh, so why not? It will make me excited for the next episode. And um, I am very excited for the next episode, so it mm-hmm. served its purpose. Um, and also, the world won't end if I find out what's, what mm-hmm. happens in the next episode. It's not that big a deal. So I don't mind too much if I get spoiled. Yeah, I, I think there's also a thing... Probably what Moffat's trying to do is to make spoilers less cool, because among a certain subsection of fans, it's cool to be in the know. And I guess he's trying to move fans away from that by saying that he considers it uncool, because mm. knowledge is power among fans, yeah. knowledge is status, whoever knows the most wins, basically. And he's trying to challenge that a bit. And yet his pet character, River Song, knows everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for letting us take part. Hope you'll tune in. Check out our website, impossiblepodcast.bogspot.com or find us on iTunes, Facebook and Twitter. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. I'm getting married in the morning I took off my engagement ring It was the night before my wedding That was the night we started running Why would you need comforting? I nearly died alone in the dark I couldn't open my eyes And it made me think about what I want About who I want Impossible podcast then, yeah Um, So their view, and one which I think Samuel says later Is that uh, anything the BBC puts out is effectively good (laughs) (laughs) That's what I say to that impossible podcast (laughs) Uh, they they do acknowledge that sometimes the publicity can go too far, which I, I think is true. I, I clearly don't subscribe to the theory that anything which the BBC put out is necessarily fine. Nor do I. Uh, Nor do I. Not th- unless you trust the BBC implicitly. Yeah. You should never trust anything or anybody implicitly. But the the problem... <laughs> Ooh, you cynical man. <laughs> the, the, the problem at the heart of it is that it is uh, human beings making decisions. So there will be mistakes. They will put out more than they intend to or more than in retrospect they might have wanted to. What do you think about the um, comparison they make with putting the human Dalek on the cover of the Radio Times a couple of years or so ago? Mm. Yeah, as, as I've mentioned... Uh, I do think that was a mistake as well. But generally speaking, putting monsters on the front cover of the Doctor magazine is not really a spoiler. The Daleks coming back, the Cybermen are coming back, whatever. It's not telling you anything much about the plot. No, but I'm, I'm, I'm going mm, I'm, I'm to slightly argue your case here, Go actually. Silurians <laughs> uh, and Cybermen Return. This, this is what the, uh, the guys at the Impossible Podcast just talked about. Yeah. That was emblazoned all over the BBC website. Now, yeah. I wasn't spoiled by that, but had I gone on to that particular site beforehand, I would have yeah. been annoyed. What yeah. I did do uh, was open incorrectly and it was my own fault so I, I accept that now but I, I opened the following edition which was number 434 mm-hmm. and that had pictures of, of Silurians and Sontarans in it and right. I really was annoyed at that <laughs> and I, I know the point that you're saying is perfectly valid it didn't make a great deal of difference to me but I would have rather not known yeah oh yeah I can fully understand that how do you avoid that I don't know not opening the magazine that's as simple as that which is (laughs) where I started after 433 in fact I didn't even open 433 (laughs) but they've got to have something to publicise it with and forever 
ever since 1963, the return of the Daleks has always been a big thing. And it's always been splashed in the front cover of the Doctor of... Uh, well, not always, but you know, it's always been splashed around in the press. Radio, Radio Times, Times yeah. often. Yeah. It's a big thing to grip people back in who maybe have wavered and they're viewing. But, as I say, my real problem is with giving away plot. Though I'm a spoiler-phobe, my view on returning monsters is fairly lax. I don't mind too much. Now, Dalek Sek, the half-human Dalek, was giving away not only a plot point, but actually giving away the uh, the cliffhanger, which mm. is bizarre. And I think even Russell T has said, in retrospect, it was a mistake. It goes back to always trusting the BBC. If If they turn around and say, actually, we shouldn't have done that a year or two after the fact... You've got to be careful. <laughs> I, I don't agree. And to be fair, I think they repeated that error as well with the end of the Rebel Flesh because practically everybody I knew had seen the end of the Rebel Flesh or a screenshot of the Doctor in Ganger uh, form. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, okay. absolutely. And again, I wasn't one of them, actually. But, no, I um, but there, there were others, lots and lots of others mm. um, who had seen that. And of course, the minute you realise what the story was about, then you think, oh, of course, mm. the ending is going to be the Doctor Ganger turns up. And, and it was. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't on the front cover of the Radio Times, admittedly, but it was yeah. widely publicised. Uh, And the source was BBC. So Mm. interesting take. And again, I I know turnover of staff uh, within the production office is extremely high. Was it really? Absolutely. (laughs) Always has been. And if if you start looking at uh, exec producers on Doctor Who these days, they (laughs) they come and go. It's more or less a revolving door there. Well, they've had a couple of years. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's it. And, And people go. And of course, when that happens... You end up making the same mistake, and yeah, you know, I, I think that has been yeah. something that people in the game have experienced. I mean, when we spoke to Clayton Hickman about his time on the show, mm-hmm. one of the reasons why he left was because he kept on getting fed up with having to explain that Doctor Who magazine was safe mm-hmm. to a number of people who are on the show. Oh right, and uh, yeah, he said because mm. people kept on leaving very, very quickly. Yeah. That was that was a problem. It's ironic now that DWM is in the dock, so to speak, or <laughs> or it's in the dock. Because we've put them there. <laughs> but, uh, I, I would say about people on the inside, like Doctor Magazine, like um, Doctor Confidential, like the production team, it must be very difficult for them to have a real perspective of what it's like to be a fan on the outside. Because they know everything is coming up. They know all the storylines before it's even gone to the camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it must be very difficult for them to step back and think, we don't want to reveal that because that is actually a fairly major plot point because they've known it for well, a very long time. It, it's all about the, the comment that was made in the last segment, which, it, once again, is info is power. Spoilers are cool. We've yeah, got the power. And rights. We, yeah. We, we, yeah, we talked about that earlier, and I think that is completely valid, and mm. uh, I don't think that's going to go away. Okay, another new podcast uh, for me. How about oh, you, yeah. Adam? You heard Naked Scarf before? Yeah, a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Really interesting segment coming up from Adam and Andy. Take it away, guys. Time. 
Hi, this is Adam and Andy from The Naked Scarf, and these are our views on spoilers. Okay, I'm actually not personally too hacked off if uh, something is revealed, especially if it's in the format of uh, official type spoiler, something like a trailer, something that is reproduced by uh, LinkedIn magazine, as I know uh, this is something that's become quite big in this case. In fact, I think that the recent series uh, that's currently showing is uh, a brilliant example of how spoilers aren't always what they seem. Uh, having watched the trailer uh, before the series uh, started to air, I was thinking, oh my god, all of fandom was guessing and, and making a lot of guesses. And, and having seen a lot of the episodes now, I realised that every single guess was completely wrong and I none of those moments really happened when I was expecting any of them. And it's brilliant, actually, because I've been made to feel like... Um, uh, uh, Stephen Moffat is sitting there laughing at me quite rightly um, because it basically I, I've been a big giant idiot and, and I've just been thinking you know what he wanted me to think and really he's gone off and done something else entirely different now there's, there's uh, obviously been a big thing because a fan um, went after the um, press screening of the first two episodes and put the whole thing onto the internet uh, in a very why well, I say fan in a very poorly written fashion now that, that's entirely different because that's giving away the whole thing spoiling the whole thing uh, that's not on that. That's not fair on other people and their enjoyment. But anything that's officially released uh, does not bother me in the slightest. I was going to say, I think the spoilers are basically the Doctor Who fandom equivalent of super injunctions. <laughs> they are though, because you, you you could say don't reveal this, don't tell this, but the moment someone gets on the internet, they're going to. Yes. Now my my thing is, where do they reveal it? If they reveal it on uh, on on a Doctor Who fandom board that has a spoiler section and they put it in the spoiler section then you don't have to click. That's not jumping out at you. Yes. I mean, I do think... I can completely understand why Moffat is so pissed off, because it's his... It's what he does for a living. It's his writing. It, I can really hard, understand. It would it would irritate me as yes. well. I don't think people should do that. I really don't, because I, I like to be surprised. I don't like to know what's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's, if people are going to put it out there, just avoid it. You know, and it's, it's a bit like, you know... I, it is like super injunctions. They're about, about as effective saying, don't do it. I, I, I also think, and this kind of ties in what you were just saying, is that there is a difference between a spoiler and between a sleight of hand. Yes. I think sleight of hand is what the Dot Two magazine did recently, where they said, one, just before Impossible Astronaut, one of these characters is going to die. And everyone was like, right, it's going to be the uh, cliffhanger of episode one, someone's going to get shot, because you know, we see Amy shoot a gun in the, pre, in the trailer, someone's going to be shot. Blah blah blah. That's first not how it five minutes, doctor, <laughs> First five minutes, Doctor's dead. Yes. And, and that 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 was a shocking. I mean, yes, I I, I realised that he was the one who was obviously going to die when he got shot, but it was still surprising. Well, that was the thing. I, I wasn't like I knew that was going to happen. That particular spoiler, I would have put money on it being any of the other three, but not the Doctor. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it was uh, it was I think it was very cleverly done. They didn't give um, any particular information, and it, in the overall scheme of the plot, it didn't give. I, I still got that whoa moment when and it happened. It was everyone was looking at the death, looking at death, looking at death. Suddenly, little girl at the end is regenerating you know yes. that, that was that was shocking yeah now to me. that was uh, that was i didn't wouldn't have put it never put it to that and i think it's important to remember you know someone like dot two magazine is working with Stephen moffat on yes this. in the end if Stephen moffat if the guy writing the show right like the show comes to you and say look i want you guys to do this because it will it will draw attention away which i think it does you're gonna do it of course yeah. you're gonna do it the thing is you can you can worry about spoilers and shocks but shocks don't necessarily make a good 
a good story. It's, it's how well-written it is. And so in the end, if I do go into a story knowing the shocks, as long as it's still well-written, as long as the characters are good, it's fine. I mean, honestly, if you look at something like Earthshock, if you take away the shock of the Cybermen going back and Adric dying, it's not a particularly great story, I don't think. No. Yeah, so basically, it's shocks don't necessarily make a great story, but I don't, at the same time, want to know them unless unless they're doing sleight of hand. In the end, you can't avoid them. It'd be lovely if it didn't happen. They're going to happen. They're going to be out there on the internet. Just don't go looking for them. And honestly, if you get that angry about it, take a step back, go out, have a cup of tea, see some friends, relax. And this is the part where we start up our own very profitable programme for recovering who addicts. Uh, neither of us are recovering, so it would be the worst scan ever. Anyway, that's, point. that's our two cents, I think, really. Yep, definitely. And uh, take care and avoid spoilers. Oh, and just to add, if you'd like to follow our rants and ravings about who, you can find us on Tumblr, which is nakedscarf.tumblr.com, or on Twitter, which is at nakedscarf. Take care, folks. You're going to regenerate Some new man saunters away No time for games tonight We fight for the fate of all mankind I could do so much more Now I think, Adam, yeah. we have got the closest to a defence here of the yeah. WM and Tom's Billsbury. So yeah, thanks <laughs> ever so much, Adam and Andy, for your relatively unique take on this particular issue. Yes, yeah. They most of them most people have been fairly negative, but uh, these people again it's a bit of the the BBC spoilers aren't spoilers, they're they're deliberately crafted and yes. they're fine. Now, I do somewhat subscribe to that in terms of, of season trailers, actually. Um, I've seen a half-season trailer that was on the end of Let's Go Hitler, which apparently isn't going to be on the end of the broadcast version, uh, which maybe we'll get to later because there was a, a potential spoiler in there that Tom Spilsbury put out on Twitter. And these sort of season spoilers are just a bunch of disconnected scenes, shots even, not even full scenes, which, out of context, mean very little. Yes. They're not really telling you much about the plot. They're just images. That, to me, is generally fine. I would, I would tend to avoid them. They do more entice than spoil, I think. And they're much cannier about that than mm. I think they are, they are with their more general publicity, strangely. Yes, indeed. And I think sometimes they go slightly beyond just, just having those out-of-context scenes mm. where they venture into misdirection. Oh, yes. Um, that's something which uh, I really, really like. And I think when that works, it works really well. And I think mm. that's what they were attempting. It's what DWM was attempting, frankly. Yes. Um, which I, I think they just got it wrong. Uh, the kind of misdirection I'm going to predict here. So this is not a spoiler, guys. It's only a spoiler if it turns out to be correct. Uh, but <laughs> That's in the correct prediction, then. <laughs> well, they, absolutely. Things I can't lose. No, you can't. <laughs> um, the the scene where you have Riversong turning around with an eye patch on the on the trailer for the second part. Clearly, you're meant to think. <gasps> mm, is, is that Kavarian or Kavarian yeah. or a name mm. I can't pronounce? And <laughs> of course, I think that's misdirection. She's probably dressing up in disguise or something. Yeah. But we don't know what that's about. We don't know. We don't and know. That's the kind of misdirection in the trailers I like. Mm. The Doctor shooting someone, firing a gun. Oh, in the uh, season five yeah, trailer, coming in, punching someone. <laughs> you know, the action hero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know that kind of stuff. I think is done brilliantly. Mm. And what. 
I have to say, I find it quite funny sometimes when you hear on podcasts people say, "Well, that's totally out of character for the Doctor." Oh, what are they playing with? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, it's very funny. Yeah, indeed. So you've done that, have you? <laughs> no, actually, but one of my my fellow podcasts did really rail against that uh, shot of uh, Matt Smith's Doctor firing a gun. Oh yes, because of course he was murdering somebody. Of course, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Doctor doesn't fire a gun. <laughs> How many times he used a gun? Quite a few, actually. <laughs> Um, the last thing I will say about a naked scarf is leave Earthshock alone or we will never listen to you again. <laughs> How could they possibly slag off Earthshock? Dis- Earthshock, yeah. Um, talking about, it goes a bit back to uh, Empire Strikes Back, but Death of Adric, having, if you had that spoiled, it would have robbed you of a really, really powerful moment, a really big yeah. moment in old Doctor Who. But it doesn't actually impact on the plot. <laughs> no, I suppose you're right. It's just a useful byproduct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they wanted rid of one of their companions, and that was a nice, effective, and memorable way to do it. Certainly. But <laughs> I guess so. But it's weird, isn't it? Because they deal with the the shock in the title. Mm. Uh, we, we, I, I know it's not explicitly that, but of course, Earth shock. I mean, it was probably Planet Earth shock that it had an Adric crashing into <laughs> it really quickly. So perhaps that's that's um, that's why it was called that. It leads me on to another uh, question I wanted to ask you: oh, yeah. Are episode titles spoilers? Up till recently, I have tended to avoid episode titles, although I have now seen them all for this season. I've now seen the, the finale title, and. Again, it comes back to a lot of misdirection generally. The Doctor's daughter. Yes. The Doctor's wife. It leads you to think something that isn't true at all. So generally, I think not. No, I I agree. And I I certainly don't subscribe to the view that they should not publish (laughs) uh, the episode titles, which you're getting quite a bit of, certainly online at the moment. Mm. And I mean, I I know it comes down back, well, back to Luke's point, really, Uh, you know, if it spoils your enjoyment in any way, I've never had my enjoyment spoiled by knowing the title of the episode. No. Because you, you see that before the story starts anyway. Pretty much. Unless you close your eyes. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Maybe there are people who do that. Yes. Well, but they would make you seem casual then they, they would the most I do is, is turn over before the, the trailer for the next episode <laughs> I, I've been tempted not to watch that before and I think there's an interesting issue that was born out of um, uh, Aliens of London and World yes, War 3 that, that was a heinous well, it was lunacy <laughs> it, I mean it was. they learned their lesson yes <laughs> But I, I think that means that it's perfectly valid to say I don't want to watch the next time trailer, even mm. if it's not uh, part one of a part two yeah. story. And I, I'd prefer not to see those as well. I mm. generally lured into watching them, but uh, <laughs> but on the whole, um, I, I wouldn't be unhappy if they were removed. Yeah, I'm. I like watching them after I've seen the episode they're trailing. <laughs> yes, that's interesting because it gives you a different context, I suppose. Yes, but yeah, that's, that's yeah. not precisely what they're there to do, I suppose. No, no, they're there for the general <laughs> public to entice them in, of course. But I'm going to watch the episode anyway, so I don't need to watch them. Precisely, but maybe the casual viewer may not necessarily yeah. be a, a given. No, so. and you can avoid them. Yes, so. you can. There's the off button there, waiting yeah, uh, for everybody. Indeed. 
Okay, leading into our penultimate mm. contribution from Jay from the Untempered Schism, who has a slightly different view mm. on this whole issue. The Doctor's stuck in the Pandorica, Amy might be dead and Rory's a Roman with a gun inside his hand, seems like things aren't going as planned. River's in the TARDIS, the TARDIS is on fire, she's feeling the heat on repeat, she'll require someone she can trust, someone with a bow tie, but he's been locked up and left to die. Hello, this is Jay Duran from the Antepiscism podcast, www.antepiscism.org, and these are my thoughts concerning spoilers and their effect to people who live outside the UK. Out here in North America, and indeed the rest of the world that is not the United Kingdom, spoilers have become increasingly harder to avoid. Many years ago, before almost everyone being on the internet in some form or another, information about a show would take a long time to filter from one shore to the other. Now, with social media such as Twitter, Facebook, LiveJournal, and even podcasting, information about an episode that finished minutes ago in the UK is accessible to people all over the world instantly. If you have not yet seen that episode, then the potential to have that episode spoiled before you do get a chance to see it is definitely very high. Previous to 2011, an episode of Doctor Who may have taken anywhere from a week to many months before making it from the UK to other countries. When people in the UK would start talking about an episode after it had aired, all the rest of us became disadvantaged as we either had to stick our heads in the stand and wait, or resort to other means just to put ourselves on a level playing field so we could just join the discussions. Of course, this need to keep up has been a big factor in encouraging people to obtain episodes via less than legal means. Even with same-day broadcasts, there continue to be challenges for those living overseas who do not wish to be spoiled. Here in Canada and the US, we have been lucky for the last five weeks enjoying the same episode that viewers in the UK have enjoyed just a few hours earlier. Our luck changed with Memorial Day by pushing this back by a week, but that's for a separate discussion. The BBC are at least becoming more wise to the global audience and our demands. While they have less region-lock content on their website, previously most of the Doctor Who section seemed to be locked to UK only, Now they only seem to lock videos that may spoil an upcoming episode that the country has not seen yet. Case in point, the prequel for episode 7, currently visible to those in the UK, is not yet visible to anyone else. As Stephen Moffat himself stated on Twitter, Who fans abroad? The prequel is region locked because you haven't seen episode 6 yet. However, this only goes so far. While the video content may be locked to protect us outside the UK, the rest of the content is not. There are pictures that have been posted that can certainly ruin surprises that are yet to come. In fact, there does seem to be a rather large disconnect here with images that can be considered spoilers on the BBC's website, even though that allegedly anything that is on there is material that we are supposed to see. A good example of this was for the first episode of the current series. The Impossible Astronaut was the particular story in question. A particular photo was uploaded on the Saturday morning which answered a particular question that Doctor Who magazine, in issue 433, had thrown out there on its front covers. As such, if you had seen the covers, or even if you had not, then this picture would be a major spoiler for something that has now become an underlying plot point that looks to carry right away through this current series. On to Doctor Who magazine. While I have vehemently defended the covers of their issues, they do seem to have become more aware of putting potential spoilers out there at least with regard to the UK audience, and to a lesser extent, the rest of the world. An example of this is for their most recent cover, issue 435. 
They kept the cover from people in the UK until after the episode and stated that they were doing this because that you needed to see episode 6. But they also said that people who were not in the UK, if you haven't yet seen the episode, stay off the internet. Well, while the consideration not to spoil things for us not in the UK is there, unfortunately that advice is not really practical in this day and age. While it may be possible to avoid clicking on a link on Twitter or Facebook, it also depends upon what client you use to read those. A number of people have gotten spoiled due to their clients either showing preview images or pulling in the first picture from a story. That's just how these clients work, and people use them for that reason. But can we really be expected to unsubscribe from the fandom until we catch up from the, with the UK? Ultimately, in this age of instant communication, it is extremely hard to avoid what can be considered spoilers. We are part of a global community following a show that has its main focus solidly rooted in the United Kingdom. Those of us who live outside are already at a disadvantage, and while we are slowly catching up, unfortunately we will never quite hit that parity and must always be aware of potentially having something inadvertently spoiled from us. Again, this has been Jay Duran with my thoughts on spoilers outside the United Kingdom. And I'm with the Untippered Schism podcast at www.untipperedschism.org. Thank you. Rory's quite distressed and he starts to sob. When the doctor appears with a mob, get me out of the Pandorica. But you're not in the Pandorica. Yes, I am. Well, yes, I was. It's complicated, but I won't explain it now because... Then he disappeared into a hazy fuzz. That man, I can't explain why he does the things he does. Oh, my God. Oh, it's interesting what you say, Jay. It's funny because we're not really looking at the differences between consuming Doctor Who, if you would excuse the metaphor, um, between US audiences and UK audiences. Yeah. Um, and, and I think you make some very valid points concerning that. And listening to your contribution made me think something that I hadn't actually considered before. And that was that the US get it slightly easier on spoilers. Now, I know that might mm. be caught in controversy, given they've got <laughs> to avoid things for longer. Yes, generally. But having said that, they're not exposed to the huge publicity machine that no. you get in the UK, where it is practically impossible to read a daily newspaper <laughs> uh, without finding out something about Doctor Who. Mm. Now, I, True I, or not, often. <laughs> well, indeed. Um, and I know the appetite and the desire is there for people to download the episode and watch it as quickly as possible. Uh, yeah. uh, and that certainly would negate a lot of the potential spoiler issues but mm. if, if you look at spoilers as minefields i think overseas audiences have got fewer minds to step on it's true certainly from uh, the the press in general but obviously if they've got friends on facebook twitter google plus even nowadays it must be difficult for them uh, being in the uk we've had had the, the shoe on the other the other foot of it. So we're, with torchwood this miracle day we've had it six days after america Indeed, after Canada and Australia, which is a <laughs> difficult for us to swallow, frankly. But but actually, I have not seen any spoilers at all for Torch. I don't know if that's because the interest level isn't there for it, or if I'm just being very lucky that I'm avoiding spoilers. But it doesn't seem to go across the pond in this direction. It seems to be more go in the other direction. I don't know. Mm. What, maybe because there are more Doctor Who fans in the UK. It, clearly. The viewership for Doctor Who in this country is, if you include iPlayers, like 10 million. 
compared to in the States, maybe one and a half, two million if you include. I think that's a big factor. Yeah. Uh, and also, Torchwood is not the institution in America that Doctor Who is in the UK. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's certainly quite an important point. Now, I've had difficulty avoiding, tr- trying to bring a comparison in here, yeah. I've had difficulty avoiding spoilers for things like Lost. Right. Which, incidentally, yeah. I haven't seen the final episode for yet, so just in case you have, don't tell me. <laughs> I do not want to be spoiled on a spoiler special. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting, because I never watched Lost at all, but the spoilers for that episode, that final episode, were everywhere. Yeah. Even I know what happens in that final episode, having never seen, well, I've seen some of the first season. But even I know what happens without going out of way to find out. I still don't know. You're very lucky. Uh-huh. You're one of the few, probably. I've got about eight episodes left to watch. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, but th- now I think that's a good, that's a better comparison, really, yes. because Lost is a bit of an institution. Uh, the, the ending of, uh, I, I mean, Cheers, you can't really compare because it was uh, it was a comedy <laughs> series, but it was a big event. Roseanne, a big event. Yeah. Everybody knew about it, and in the UK, again, it was reported on. Mm. Now you're not going to get that in. Um, this, it, you're no. not going to get the other way around for Torchwood. It's just no. not going to work. You won't, you won't find it in the New York Times or anything like Precisely. that. Precisely. No. So no. I, I don't think it's instantly comparable. What I, what I think I am learning out of this conversation is that we, we have got different problems in mm. terms of avoiding spoilers. Uh, because I said, I, I think avoiding spoilers within the UK is an absolute mission. It's an absolute mission that it overseas viewers will not come up against but having said that we don't have to deal with the issues of getting the episodes much later and therefore avoiding online fan sites Mm -hmm. and so on which think everything is fair game after transmission in the UK yes and it's perhaps a valid point of view but that's only if you entirely ignore our friends out of the UK which the BBC themselves are not doing now yeah yeah they are being more careful and rightly so because a lot of their revenue the, the first two episodes and potentially, I don't know, some of the later episodes this season are co-funded mm. by BBC America. So they don't want to upset BBC America and the viewers of BBC America. No, indeed. But it does seem a strange decision, therefore, to curtail the number of episodes made when you've just forged these wonderful relationships <laughs> uh, with BBC America, where there's lots of money. I mean, you look at... St- anyway, never mind. That's a different mm. podcast. But uh, it, it does raise the question of uh, statute of limitations on spoilers. Uh, we... We somewhat danced around the spoiler in Empire Strikes Back. I'm sure everybody knows what it is. But how long does something have to have been out there to be able to talk about it? Can we talk about the end of the sixth sixth sense? Can we when we tell people what I'm not going to say it now, but what that big reveal is at the end. Do you know I did that on a Doctor Who podcast and I got hate mail? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to. I was just using it as a comparison. But it's a very, very valid point again. And I think, to be fair, if you were to review... Oh, let, let, let's ask you, right? Okay, Staggering Stories, you're going to review An Unearthly Child. Yeah. <laughs> do you give a spoiler warning before that review? No. No, precisely. No. And it wouldn't cross my mind to do so either. No, and we liberally talk about the plot... Exactly. If you haven't seen it, you, you don't want to spoil people, but then you, you, you want to be able to talk about it. I, I love the habit that we're forming during this debate of coming to absolutely no conclusion. <laughs> it's brilliant, and I think yeah. we should continue. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's move on uh, to our final contribution. Mm. I have a feeling you might recognise these tones once again. <laughs> yeah, indeed. It's a DWO who cast. Dr. Scott Rivers, Vortex Manipulator, which will use the meat brewery 2,000 years later when they find Amy after her sleep in the box. They realise the sun is really the exploding tonnage. Dr. Saves River from the imitator star. This woman watches back on help but point out the obvious. Oh. 
I'm now here with Dave Keep. Hello. And Mark James. Hi, everybody. And I'm still here. Now, we're recording this woo, about a week after we recorded the Flashing Blade piece. And my views have hardened slightly since A Good Man Goes to War, um, which I will explain about in a moment. But first of all, let's talk to Dave and Mark. Dave? I think sometimes spoilers can be a good thing. We have to remember we live in an age where the media is very much geared to, this is going to happen. It's going to be a shock. People shouldn't say, I, I, I will tune in to, to be shocked. As a fan, it can annoy me. But every now and again, you do get a nice bit of misdirection. With a few men go to war, they really shot the Cybermen. So the Cybermen are going to be the bad guys. I, I, I was deeply annoyed. But then you realize that they're in the opening credits mm. and they just chucked them away. I'm against spoilers. I'd rather put my fingers in my ears and go la 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 and then get to the actual show at the end of the week and, and thoroughly enjoy it for how it was intended to be viewed. It's it's they just told us the punchline without giving us the joke. You know, one of these guys will die. Well fantastic. Um you know, how does the chicken cross the road? You know, it's I, I feel I feel that could have been dealt with a lot better. I, and and so early on as well. I, I don't know. I, I think they could have done that better. I, I was upset when I read the cover, and, and especially when I saw that they had four different covers. I thought that just it feels like they're milking people. I, I feel that's that's well, obviously it's a business. It's, it's out mm, to make money, yeah. but um, you know, I, I just feel there's unnecessary. There's an unnecessary volume of. Um, it's difficult to put into words, but I just wasn't pleased with it. Definitely not. I thought I thought that they were just trying to milk people. Well, apart from Amy, I think we've seen all these characters die, haven't we? I believe so. I'm put in mind with spoilers if they're handled well, and I'm slightly playing devil's advocate here, but I'm put in mind of another science fiction show, which was Babylon 5. We saw Londo and Jakar strangling each other from the very offset. Yes. You were told these two characters would die with their hands around each other's throats. When you actually saw that scene, the whole context of it completely changed it. Babylon 5 did that. Babylon 5 constantly spoiled itself, but then pulled the rug out from under your feet and made you reassess what there was. It set you up to think in a certain way and then changed that perspective on you, which made the show f even fresher and more exciting and surprising than it may have been otherwise. And what do you, how would you compare that now to what we had there? Is it going to be as clever, do you think? I, I honestly don't know. I've got tremendous faith in Moffat as a writer. I think he may not do sociological elements as well as Russell T. Davis did. But I think as a plotter and to develop these beautiful, intricate little plots, I think he surpasses Russell T. Davis in that score. I've got my own views on spoilers. Like I said, I tend to be on the fence. I can understand the need for publicity. I do think could, they, they could have done something else. What? I don't know. However, the one thing that really annoyed me, and I've said this actually on the WhoCast, one of our listeners sent in a spoiler, and it wasn't put as you know, speculation. It was a genuine, listen, I've seen that, you know, this is what's going to happen, and there's filmed evidence to support this, but River Song is Amy's daughter. So, of course, coming to watch A Good Man Goes to War, I'm watching it quite happily. We get up to that point, and instead of, oh, wow, it was, oh, bollocks. And 
I really got really, really properly angry about that, which is daft, really, because it's a TV show. No, it ruined it for you, didn't it? It did, yeah. yeah. People forget as well that podcasters, we don't get paid for doing this. No. We do this for fun. We're fans. That's why we're doing this. We may be lucky enough to sometimes see the show a little bit ahead of schedule so we can get the podcast out. doesn't mean we don't sit down with the same excitement and anticipation that everybody else does. Mm. I mean, I've been trying, trying so hard to avoid spoilers this year. I mean, when um, Derek Jacobi turned into the master, I was gobsmacked. Oh, it was just wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. I had heard a rumour months and months ago that the master might be back, but it didn't click. I decided, no. I'm not going to look, I'm not going to hear, blah, 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 blah. So when that actually happened, it was wonderful. Mm. It really was. And then this time it should have been, ah, right, that's what it is. But no, it wasn't. So I, I official spoilers, you play a dodgy game, like I say, between publicity and spoiler. But I think fan spoilers, I know fans love to do it, but stop trying to show just how clever and how much information you have, because you're going to wreck it for other people. Mm, yeah, I agree. Now, we've got one last thing. James, who's putting the this DWPA show together, asked us if we could possibly get Seb to comment on why Doctor Who Online has become a completely spoiler-free website. And Seb has actually sent something in. Uh, the main Doctor Who Online site has been spoiler-free since 2006, but owing to Stephen Moffat's recent comments about spoilers, we thought we would go the extra strip and make the forum spoiler-free. We agree with Stephen that spoilers ruin the enjoyment of episodes, and that viewing spoilers isn't a right or a privilege. The very act of viewing spoilers, we believe, ruins the hard work that everyone involved in the show has put in. Speculation is, of course, accepted on the forums, as we feel it is every fan's right to discuss and speculate on oncoming stories we were aware that the decision was a controversial one and that we may lose a small handful of members but as a result we now offer one of the few truly spoiler free doctor who forums i've personally been on both sides of the fence as prior to series three episode episode utopia i used to look at them oh spoilers i presume he means uh, it was because of the reveal in that episode <laughs> that made me realize how bad reading spoilers is i think he's using the royal we in this by the way as well uh, and that's from said brook um who's bigger on the inside or something oh no it's just his signature uh so that's dun, 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 the flashing blade dun, dun, dun. and the who cast uh anyway james listen great idea this and thanks for putting it together mate um right uh say goodbye gentlemen goodbye gentlemen goodbye gentlemen oh god just toodles Thanks very much, Tony, Mark, and Dave. Mm. I, the one thing I'd like to pick up on from this contribution is the deterioration <laughs> of Tony's mood. And, yes. I, I, and I think he has brilliantly demonstrated yeah. here how personal experience can form your opinion. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> Started off really quiet on the fence, yep. got spoiled. I don't like spoilers. Mm. And I, I wonder, I, I, well, actually, I know if we were to ask Tony mm -hmm. to record an additional segment now, yes. given Mr. Spilsbury's tweets yes. after the BFI screening, then I think he would be even more grumpy. Yeah, he, he has become more spoiler Somebody in an earlier segment, I'm sorry, I forget who, said you become more spoiler-phobic the more you like something, the more you're into it. Indeed, they did. And yes. that is very much the case with me. Uh, season 5 of Doctor Who was, for me, a real renaissance. It, it rekindled 
well, I found a whole new level of, of enjoyment for the Doctor. I've always liked it, but it's like being a kid again. Season five for me was amazing. And from that point, I have become very spoilerphobic, much more so than I was back in the Tenant era. Mm. Mm. And yeah, and Tony just demonstrated that happening almost live. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. I, I do feel for Tony, I have to say, because that's, it, it, that's twice that's happened to me. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it, it Series 6. And I, I, I do think, yeah, I mean, Tony's misfortune, I think, demonstrates yeah. the point that it very much depends on your investment in it. And mm, because, because someone has given away a plot point, you suddenly realise, I really cared. And that mm. particular piece of feedback for him changed the entire context of watching one particular episode and I think yeah. that's that's a shame uh, particularly yeah. I mean if it's done purely out of thoughtlessness and yeah. I think that's all it was um, but then again we do expose ourselves by doing these podcasts so uh, yes, we, uh, we, you know, we, we have to take some responsibility I guess <laughs> misdirection again a very good point made by my Dave we've talked about that already and uh, I, I, it's interesting how listening to seven different contributions mm. um, all have a number of common themes. Yes. And uh, I, I think misdirection there is, is certainly one. Um, how, how did you feel about uh, Derek Jacobi's being revealed as the master in Utopia? Because for me, that was brilliant. That well. was brilliant. And yeah. I was spoiler-free on that. I had no idea. And that was a wonderful reveal. It brings me back to things, again, like uh, David Tennant's Doctor being uh, exterminated and, you know, spoilers here, but statute of limitation, and the, 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 the false regeneration. Moments like that are wonderful. And as back to what Moffat said at the beginning, uh, stories depend on shocking people, moments you don't see coming. And those are wonderful examples of, of that. And, yeah, it's, it's a real shame if people spoil that for anybody else. Do you think Russell T mm-hmm. was better at keeping his secrets than Stephen M? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, it was a different era, I suppose. As has been pointed out earlier, Stephen Moffat's story, particularly for seasons five and six, which are basically one arc, do almost invite mm. spoilers because it is so intricately plotted. Whereas back in the RTD day, the, the season arcs were much looser. And Russell T. Davies was more of a populist in that to gain publicity, he would more tend to bring in big-name guest stars from soap operas and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Which, at the, the time, I was a bit worried about these people coming in, but actually they're all great. And that is a wonderful way to get people interested, get the, the, the tabloids interested. And that's a very different take to the way they're doing it now. Very much so. Yeah. It's a different way of doing it. Um, no, I agree. And what wonders if Russell T is looking at what's going on now thinking, well, he, he must be because he's a human. He's thinking, well, I wouldn't do it that way. Probably. And, and I think in a way that Russell T was probably influenced quite a bit by John Nathan Turner because he's yes. got a similar oh, yeah. kind of approach to publicity. Yeah. Um, but Perhaps having stunt to, casting. but Yeah, very much so. But there was a very distinct line in both those eras um, between publicity and spoilers and I think yes. now that line is definitely blurred that's one thing that we have been able to decide so. during our so, conversation yes. okay well that's all of the contributions that we have to bring you for this particular podcast uh, we're going to finish up just by talking a little bit about what's happened since uh, mm. the BFI um, screening of Let's Kill Hitler and again just in case you don't know this we're going to tell you now um, <laughs> so Adam you were there you'd be much better off describing this than me okay 
at the the BFI event, there was, as I mentioned, uh, a season trailer on the end of Let's Go Hitler, which I'm reliably informed is not there on the transmission version. It's a half-season trailer, and no doubt it will appear at some point. It is basically the same trailer you've seen already, or could have seen already, but with a few additional bits, (laughs) one of which appeared to feature a Dalek. And famously, Stephen Moffat has said he would not bring Daleks back this season. He's given them a rest. And he was very clear in the Q&A at the end, in a very jokey fashion, that rule one, Stephen Moffat lies. And rightly so. I mean, Russell T lied all the time to misdirect people. Yeah, yeah. And I'm absolutely for that. (laughs) But in this case, Tom Spilsbury on his Twitter account, his massively followed Twitter account, clearly, um, announced to the world that the Daleks are back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and a lot of people okay. uh, Tony Gallishan particularly were very angry about this revelation now of course as I've mentioned before I'm not too worried about returning monsters and things like that but in this case talking about misdirection I don't know I haven't seen where it's leading I, this is pure speculation but I think this is misdirection I honestly do and I think I'm pretty sure that um, Tom Spilsbury knows it's misdirection and is playing along with it mm-hmm. And he's playing up to his persona, his, his perceived persona as being a spoiler, and using that to, uh, to cause a bit of well, light-hearted mischief. Yeah, Adam, I have to say, I completely agree with you. I think Mr. Spilsbury knows precisely what he's doing. This is the first time, incidentally, I've ventured an opinion on this so in, in this podcast. <laughs> I, I think Tom is, is, is completely attuned to what Stephen Moffat does. Mm. And I think um, lies, I think, is right. The fact that, I mean, it's interesting to hear that the first thing Stephen Moffat said was that Stephen Moffat lies. Yeah, well, and therefore, he's probably doing it again. So Mr. Spilsbury thinks, oh, okay. And he yeah. is either an accomplice either deliberately or he knows exactly what Stephen Moffat's game is yeah. and he's playing up to it oh, yes, and sure. either I mean I wouldn't put it past him to include a shot of a Dalek in that particular montage <laughs> and for it to be completely superfluous or recorded specially <laughs> I really wouldn't put it past him <laughs> maybe I don't think he's ever gone to that length in the past mm-hmm. uh, but I, I see absolutely no reason why he wouldn't do that in the future again just to, I mean Daleks are good publicity whether they yeah. feature or whether they don't feature yeah. um, and I think DWM and the BBC are complicit if people get really annoyed uh, at him then I think Tom's probably, <laughs> probably smiling having met him and sat in the same room and interviewed him I think he would probably be giggling to himself in the same way that Russell T Davies was hooting with laughter yeah. when he wrote the 507 Regenerations line <laughs> yes quite, you know, quite. It's, it, it's just fandom being fandom um, and, I, and I honestly don't think it's wrong to speculate on Misdirection. I mean, we talk mm. about speculation on misdirection. I mean, yeah. what more can you do? Mm. It's uh, it's it, it's just what fans do brilliantly. Yeah, indeed. But time will tell, I suppose. It's been an absolute joy just to sit here and discuss this subject at length. Thank you. Yeah, uh, it has for me. It really has. Thank you. Well, we hope you've enjoyed it too. Uh, there's just a couple of things that we'd like to say before we round off. And first of all, thank you to everyone mm. who contributed and spent some time what must seem like ages ago to you now, probably because it was, yeah. uh, when you recorded your segments. And I can only apologise for the length of time it's taken me to put it together. I also want to say thank you to Alex Day of Comedian Circuit, who has been responsible for all of the stings that you've heard, including mm-hmm. the opening and closing theme. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go and buy Comedian Circuits 
album on iTunes or indeed you can go to Alex Day's website and you can listen to it for free. Thanks, Alex, for letting us use your music for this show. Yeah, wonderful stuff. Indeed. And until the next time, Adam, I think we'd better say goodbye. Yeah, been a long podcast. It has indeed. Really well, we hope you've enjoyed it. Bye for now. Thank you. Goodbye. New teeth, that's weird. Give me a minute, get my mouth in gear. Just want to check that everything still works. Legs. Still got legs And there's life in this old horse, yeah And I know there's gonna be An awful lot of running to do Geronimo! Heads, shoulders, knees and toes Don't talk about that nose And what a chin I think that's everything I'm good as new But still not ginger But I'm no fool, I gotta get some food inside me I'm still cooking Apples, no, apples are rubbish I hate apples, let's try something Scottish Fried, but not evil beans Are you trying to make a zombie of me? Now what's this? Fish fingers and mustard? I got a feeling it'd be better with custard The worst part is that it's actually kind of tasty Alonzi Heads, shoulders, knees and toes Don't think about that nose And what a chin I think that's everything I'm good as new But still not ginger